My name's Rob Belfour. If, um, I do have some printouts here for afterwards. You won't need them for our time together. You can grab one if you want. But I, I'm actually really disappointed. Um, I thought by choosing a topic like fighting for fellowship, I'd have maybe like three or four people sign up for it, and then we'd, we'd just go to Starbucks. And that was the plan. And so Let's go. You, you ruined it, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to fight for fellowship through this, but it's, I'm starting really put back. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just kidding a little bit. But, um, you know, I have, <laughs> I have this handout here. This is kind of the homework, so we'll see how things go. Um, but if you would like a bit more, I can send you an electronic copy of the handouts instead of this, because whenever I come to these things, the handouts just get lost every single year. You know, you put them in your binder, and then the binder gets put somewhere, and then you find it five months later. That tends to be how I work, and so if you're anything like that and prefer an electronic copy, why don't you just email me with notes in the subject, and I'll follow up. And I've got some other resources I could send you online stuff that... Um, if it might be a blessing to you to have on hand as well. All right. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Father, I just pray that you'd come and be amongst us by your Holy Spirit. Father, um, we know from Scripture that our relationships together are so important to you. And you want us to love each other well, which sounds great, but is sometimes the hardest part. And so, Father, would you just come and would you use this time together to do something really good for each person here to move us forward in Christ-likeness and in uh, embracing the, the foretaste of heaven that we're going to have. And so, Lord, would you help me a lot, please? And would you help each one of us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great. So, my name's Rob Belfour again, um, and I'm... <clears throat> I'm learning to say I'm the first assistant of the lead pastor of Calvary Chapel because Jesus is the lead pastor of Calvary Chapel and my job is just to help him out. I decided three weeks ago that I was quitting my job. I didn't tell anybody, but I gave myself a, a downgrade at the church. Jesus is going to lead the church. I'm just going to help him. And it's been really great since then. And nobody's noticed, so I don't know uh, <laughs> what that means. <clears throat> but um, I want to... It's, you know, we've all just eaten, so there's not tons of writing, and there's not a lot of technical stuff that I'm going to share here, so uh, feel free to send all your negative feedback directly to me, and not to Salt and Light Central. You've got my e- email there. But, I, you know, I'm, we're just going to share some stories and uh, talk about life a little bit, and be in the Word of God. So I told my wife a couple weeks ago, she asked, well, what, do you, what did you say you were going to speak on at the conference? I said, well, I'm going to talk about fighting for fellowship. And she said, you're going to talk on that? Which was exactly like it sounds. You're going to talk on that, Rob? And then she said, well, I'm sure God will help you. So I'm not, you know, I've been thinking about that. But um, relationships are some of the the hardest part of church life, right? And um, especially if you're in, in leadership, in ministry, this is all people work. And that is the hardest stuff. And sometimes you'll talk to somebody who's been in ministry or in a pastoral role, and they're no longer in a pastoral role, and they're doing something else, and they're just like, it's so great. When I interact with people, I don't have to care about how they're really doing. I don't have to care about their souls. We just work together. It's so great. Um, And it's just a lot less work and hardship. But uh, we don't have the luxury um, of that because we really are called to be a family together on mission. And so this time is really spent about what does it mean to be a family together? 
and to be a family together and to stay a family together, we really need to fight for our fellowship. So, okay, Scott, you're good. Brian, you're not good. Yeah. I know Brian's just here to get dirt. So I want to talk about, uh, I'm going to tell a couple of, no, I'm going to start with a bit talking about um, fellowship. So fellowship is a key idea in the New Testament, a key concept. And the Greek word is koinonia or something like that. And it appears regularly in scripture. And if you've got a more literal translation, it will appear as fellowship. And they'll have done a good job of trying to translate that consistently. So in 1 Corinthians 1.9, the Apostle Paul writes, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And he pictures God's faithfulness to us and our, his, our salvation, not just like not going to hell and going to heaven, but actually coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, which is the kind of relationship you want to be in forever. That's fellowship. It's that kind of relationship you want to be in forever because it's a good relationship. There's also this sense of um, teamwork in it. So in Galatians 2.9, Paul is telling about how early on in his ministry, he was a little bit on his own. Then after a while, for one reason or another, he's like, I, I don't want to be alone anymore. I'm going to go and talk to the, to the apostles in Jerusalem. I'm going to present my gospel to them, and I'll see what they say. Now, I know I've got my gospel from God. Jesus actually came and gave me my gospel, but for the sake of not being alone, I'm going to go present it to them and see what they say. And in Galatians 2.9, it says, And when James and Cephas, or the apostle Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So there's something about this right hand of fellowship coming out that actually communicates the apostles in Jerusalem were talking to Peter and saying, we're on the same team. We're pulling in the same direction. We're working together. We've got our field of ministry. You've got your field of ministry, but we're not in competition. We're on the same team. And so fellowship is this big word of we're together in this. And it encapsulates kind of like the sweetness of relationship while we're together. So last night when everyone was just showing up, I was just laughing my head off. And I just like, I sound like a crazy person. But the truth is, you know, when I see those guys from Fargo, except for Brian, I just love seeing their faces. <laughs> and I'm just like, Dane! And I just start laughing and give him a hug. And Steven's in laughing, giving him a hug, except for Brian. And it's just such a great experience to be together and renew these relationships. And not just that we're in relationship, but that we're, we, we pull together in the same direction. I know you can handle it, Brian. And if you can't, there's more uh, samosa chutney downstairs, and you can, <laughs> you can apply it like a balm onto your wounds. So this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like in our families, in our churches, in our workplaces, um, doing what we can do to maintain a sweetness as we're moving in the same direction, to maintain a joy as we're moving in the same direction. Um, because I think probably we've all been in that situation where the fellowship kind of walks out of the room because somebody said something or somebody did something, and all of a sudden you're just like, what? where are we relationally? And sometimes when those things don't get dealt with, 
they just endure. There's kind of a damaged or broken relationship in the room. When the leaders get together, there's a damaged or broken relationship in your home. And yes, the garbage is still taking out. And yes, the laundry is still getting done, but you're just not looking each other in the eye. And it feels like it's negative 40 outside, even though you're still in Georgia and it's plus 30 out. It's negative 40 inside, though it's plus 30 outside. And that chill is just in the air. And, and that's broken fellowship. That joy, the sweetness, and the feeling that we're actually working together, not against each other, is gone. And, um, and so as I've meditated on this, and why this is actually important to missions is because the reality is, is when, when the f- fellowship is being lost in missions because of the hardship or whatever, that the energy of working together can disappear. And where joyful fellowship is lost, people start going, I want to be somewhere else. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go be somewhere where I can actually enjoy pulling on the harness together with other people. So this is what I'm talking about. And this message, I'm just going to keep telling stories. And so if this was the biggest waste of your time on the weekend, you're welcome. Now, everybody needs to have experiences that make other experiences feel better. And if that's this experience for you, you're welcome. Um, So two things that have been in my life uh, that have come together to make this so important is this. uh, Number one, Jackie and I took our five children to vacation at my mother's house. And I made a mistake when we were there. I I started reading a book on marriage on our vacation, which was a mistake. Guys, don't do it. Just read the news, the sports, anything. Don't read a book on marriage while you're on vacation because it will deep six it pretty quick. And in this book, he was, the author was talking about the importance of Galatians 6.1. So if you have your Bibles with you, I do invite you just to read it along with me. Galatians 6.1. Does somebody want to read that for us? Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Wonderful. And so the explanation of this kind of thing is that in this scripture you have um, a transgression. So you've got a relational problem that God cares about. And there's kind of two factors in this command here that he says. He says, number one, um, you need to aim for restoration which means planning to do something about it, right? If someone's caught in transgression, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, as in do something about it. And then on the other hand, it says, and do it in a, sorry, I know you can't see through me, spirit of gentleness, which in context is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. This, this command, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, comes right after talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And self-control. So he's saying, you who are spiritual, um, help this person in this Holy Spirit's gentleness. And the reality is, is that typically we, um, as Christians, fail to obey the scriptures and fail to qualify ourselves to be people who help other people by not doing one of these things. Usually people either forget about the restoration part and just ignore it. Or stuff it. Or brood over it. How do you spell brood? There we go. There. 
See, this is working together. That was fellowship. <laughs> right? Does anybody see themselves in that? Or, you're not a stuffer, an ignorer, or a brooder. You deal with it, but there ain't no spirit of gentleness. <laughs> Amen? Anybody see themselves or somebody they know in this? And so the author was saying, um, typically people fall off the fence on one of these two things. They either fail to aim for restoration because of fear, because of doubt, because of insecurity, because of whatever. Or they, when it's time to do it, you fail in doing it by the spirit of gentleness. And while I was reading this book, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Rob, you fail in both of these things. Yeah. You don't try to restore, and when you finally do say something, <coughs> nah. And he was talking about my marriage. And so here I am, having insomnia at my mother's house, and just pierced in the heart, waiting for Jackie to wake up so I could apologize to her. But just so pierced about this truth that the qualifications for being somebody who contributes to a relationship of fellowship is before you get started, you need to realize, number one, you, do need, you are called to be somebody who brings restoration to relationships. This is part of the fight. We do need to do stuff. Not every time. Sometimes you're going to Lord, do we need to do that? You know, it, not everything needs to get dealt with. But if it's a deal, if it's a real problem, if it's a transgression, it does need restoration, and we need to fight. But at the same time, the qualification is that you need to be able to do it by the spirit of gentleness. And if you can't do that, just shut up. Right? Just be quiet. You're not ready yet. You've got to work through this before so that it's not uh, abandoning people by not saying anything and destroying them with our verbiage. That's my story. So that's one side of it. God just really working on my heart and saying, Rob, you, you have never actually been qualified to help your wife in anything. And I do think that was a fair never. Some people say, never say never. Um, American tale. But, anybody with kids? Nobody? Somebody? It's on Netflix. Yeah, that's right. There we go. Thank you. I got corrected in the good way. Yeah. Um, never say never. I think it was a solid never. And... Um, so there's one side of it. And then the other thing that's happened is in our church, we have had, we've taken our prophetic ministry into the shop for a retooling. Because it just got a little weird. It got a little strange. Um, it went sideways more often than it went straight. And so we just, in the Lord, said, we're going to press pause on our sharing time in our church, and we're going to seek the Lord about it. We had some meetings talking about the church and how, how people uh, do it and working on our values in it. And one of the main scriptures that God has brought out of this time to uh, be a guiding principle for, for us in this, and one of our main values in prophetic ministry is from uh, Matthew chapter 5. Does anybody want to read that for me? Matthew chapter 5, and it's going to be a long scripture, starting in verse 21 and going through to verse 26. Fire away. 521 through to the end of that part. You heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that 
Everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says his rule will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and, your, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. I, I love this passage so much. I know it's a little bit Sunday schoolish, um, if you want to give the kids nightmares, but just think about what Jesus is talking about here. On the one hand, he's talking about this scenario where your his disciples are in danger of the, the hell of fire. Okay? So, telling my church recently, whenever Jesus warns his own disciples about ending up in hell, we should listen. This is a scriptural principle. As soon as Jesus starts talking about hell, you just be like, I want to know what he's warning me about, right? I should know this. This is for me, you know, I, I get paid to know the Bible. I should probably really pay attention when the, the Lord himself is saying, if you do this, you are in danger of hell. On the other side of that section, he ends with um, warning about being stuck in prison. Right? So you do this, you're in danger of the fire of hell. If you do this, you're going to be stuck in prison, the guard watching you, wondering when you're going to pay your debts. What's in the middle? The middle in the middle is this call this picture of this person who wants to come to temple, wants to worship the Lord, wants to show his, um, his love for God, wants to honor God with what he's been given by God. And then on his way to temple, he remembers, right, my wife is still mad at me because of what I said this morning. Or my husband's still mad at me because of what I did yesterday. Or I may have done something to somebody at church. I wonder if they're mad at me about that. You ever have that feeling where you're just kind of like, hmm, that may have sounded differently than I intended it to come out. Not with Brian. I intended it to come out just like that. But (laughs) This is the scenario. Somebody bringing their sacrifice and their worship to the Lord. And they remember that they are out of fellowship with someone. And that person, he doesn't say, that person's wronged me, I'm going to go fix it. He says, you remember that your brother has something against you. you. You have done something that threatened fellowship, broke fellowship, damaged fellowship. And Jesus says, stop there. Don't bring that ox. Don't preach that sermon. Don't go to that outreach. Don't go to that food bank. Don't do that children's ministry. Stop there. Go and make things right, and then come and offer your sacrifice to the Lord. I would dare to add, don't have communion. Yeah. yeah. I've been stuck there many times. I can't have communion until I go find that person. Yeah. 
Yeah. As much as you're able to, right? So for me, I've just been meditating on the severity of this call. On the one hand, you're angry at your brother, you're you're so far so like I can't even the more I talk about this, the more I'm just like, did he really say I believe in justification by grace? Come on, what's going on here? And it's like maybe not the way you're treating people. And on the other hand is this threat of being stuck in prison without being able to get out. And in the middle, yeah, that's it's, yeah, it's just a raging fire. Thank you for that. See, exactly, exactly. The Lord does put the exclamation points on there sometimes. Anyhow, with Jesus in the midst of these two realities, you don't want is Him saying, "Go fix it, fight for your fellowship." Amen. So these two scriptures and these two situations, so what we've been are communicating to our the people who want to share at our church prophetically or whatever is just that we, we need to care way more about our love relationships with each other than what we do on Sunday. Because that's exactly what Jesus said. We, it just needs to be so much more important. And we actually need to be thinking. My God says he doesn't want the ox unless I fix this. So how am I supposed to sing my songs if I haven't even asked the question, Holy Spirit, is there something I need to fix? With the initiative being on me. Amen? So those are my main scriptures. They've just been impacting me so deeply. And this is all you need to take away. If all you do is take away these two scriptures, this is going to change your life. You're already halfway there. So Jackie and I, you know, we've been just really impacted by this call. Whatever we do, we have to be in fellowship together. And it's been really helpful. Like, it's not about what she's doing to me or I'm doing to her. The call is we need to be in fellowship. We need to be able to talk about things and listen to each other. We need to enjoy each other's company. We need to be able to get up in the morning and say, hello, it's great to see you, with eye contact. You know what I mean? And we've got to, we've got to be in that place where it's sweet or else we're not pleasing the Lord and it's not going to be fruitful. We're not actually pulling together. We're not on mission together. And it needs to be the same with the elders. Um, I, I don't think I've apologized to Dave Kaler so many times as I have in the last couple of months. And that's all on me. But, and he's, he's the best. He forgives before you do anything. But the call, you know, I have to make sure everything's okay with the team or else there's a prison guard with my name on his worksheet. So, this actually really helps, okay? I I think I can not be your prison guard in five more minutes and let you out of here. But let me just tell you three quick stories of how this actually does impact your world, okay? So Jackie and I had this wonderful blowout the other night. It was just one of our biggest fights we've had in a long time. We adopted this little kid from Bulgaria a few months ago, and he's the best. He's literally the best, top five children in the world. And, but it's made things a lot more stressful for us, as you might imagine. We're back in diaper stage and all that stuff. And so we were just um, rubbing each other the wrong way. And she was just trying to clean the house do that you know she was trying to clean the house and get the other kids to clean the house and my job was to just play with Timmy and and she came up and says you look like you're not having a good time I'm like I don't think I enjoy playing with toddlers 
I said that, and which is kind of true, but there was a mushroom cloud that came out of our living room that was probably, you could see from space, and so we just had this really big fight right there, and it got to that place, you know, I don't know if you've ever had like fights with people, I'm sure not, um, except for, especially not Brian, but sometimes you get to the point where you're thinking to yourself, if I were watching my, us do this on a movie, it'd be really funny because it's just so absurd, you know. You've gone to, and so we were in the hallway going, "You know what? The world revolves all around you." Oh, you think so? No, the world revolves around you. You're the most selfish person. You're the most, and we were just—it was just like that. And she's wonderful, and she's okay with me telling the story. Um, and so the the we realized it wasn't worth talking anymore. And then I'm just standing in the kitchen going, God, this is the opposite of where we're supposed to be going. This is the opposite of fellowship, obviously. And just in the kindness of God, he's, he's like, you know what, Rob, you are actually really selfish. And it's like, you know what? That's true. And so I told Jackie, I was like, you know what? I am actually really selfish. A lot more than I think. And she's like, I love you. And it was just like so sweet right away. I don't know how that works, you know? Um, But I wasn't ready to actually hear her complaining about me in a fight before. Because it was more about me. The fights were about me winning, or me defending myself, right? But God's moving me forward where it's actually like our relationship is actually more important. And us being in fellowship is a non-negotiable. We have to get to a place where we can pull together in the same direction while enjoying each other's company or else, it, or else like, I cannot serve the Lord. Like, Matthew, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want the sermon. He doesn't want the discipleship. He doesn't want it until I'm back in fellowship as much as possible with the people I'm supposed to be. Uh, A couple stories from work. Okay, so um, before pastoring, I worked in a big company called BioVail, which became Canada's most valuable company for a little bit, right around when I was there. And then a couple of years later, it totally crashed after I left. (laughs) You can draw the lines any way you want to on that. But, um, you know, just the work life is, is only like people want fellowship at their jobs, even though they're supposed, they actually want to go to work and feel like they're on a team. And so, and it's easy to lose because you're also kind of in competition with people sometimes. And so there was this one guy who was working in my department. And one year of working there, I got into this leadership course that they were putting on really by fluke. And I think they regretted it after they found out more about me. But it was just God's encouragement in my life. So I got into this thing. And the next year, he tried out for it, and he didn't get in. And then all of a sudden, I found like I was getting these snarky remarks from him a lot and just cut down and just knowing like he's he was friends with all my coworkers in a way I wasn't I'm just like you know I'm sure that Robert Belfort's stock is not going up in my little neighborhood of the building here because of what's going on here and so after a while I just for at coffee time I just uh, this is this is actually the only time I did anything good so this is why you're hearing this story um, at coffee time I sat him down and just said hey man I just want us to be in the clear is there anything we need to talk about and at the time I think he just said no, no, we're good, we're good. And then later on he said, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. 
And then he left and I ran into him years later just at a restaurant or whatever and said, hey, I'd love to sit down with you. And he was in town months after that. And we sat down and I just said, like, one more time, I was like, are we good? Like, you left, I left. I just want to make sure we're, we're good. And he said, you know, I actually owe you an apology. You were fine. And it was just, it was just weird. There's this moment where I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm actually getting mistreated here, but I'm going to fight for fellowship with him because I actually want to enjoy my work environment. And he didn't know what to do with it in the moment. But over time, he came away saying, yeah, you know what? You were in the right. I was in the wrong. And, and who cares about that? But the bridge is there, right? The relationship is there. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. So my, Jackie was asking me, so what do you do when people don't want to, uh, to play ball when you're trying to fix something? Because sometimes people don't want to. It's just it's, you're playing tennis, and it goes over the net, and then it hits the back fence and it goes over the net and it hits the back fence and they're just standing at staring at you shooting their daggers out of your eye, their eyes at you and well the scripture has a verse for that some of you may know it Romans. yeah Romans chapter 12 if possible as much as it depends on you be at peace with all men and so the real encouragement here and the real call here is like this is just important to God about us, that we set ourselves and say, I'm going to fight for fellowship wherever I can. And God, you're in charge of the rest, just like everything. But God's standing before us as our Father saying, the most important thing to me, as you guys are working together as a family on mission, is that you're doing everything you can to stay in fellowship. Because God is able to do so much. It's just not always easy for him to find a bunch of people who will actually love each other through the mess. And this is one of the things I love about Salt and Light. I think we're well on our way. Absolutely. All right. In the last 10 seconds, more like 15, what do you do if you find that this is your life? You, you have a hard time seeking re- restoration. Okay, so you're, you lean towards ignoring things. You lean towards putting off talking about it. You lean towards, I'm just going to bear with it. And then three months later, you've thrown something through the front window. Whatever it is, the volcano finally goes off. What do you do here? Okay, so the, the encouragement I have for us from the worksheet is really ask the Lord where fear is a substitute for love. Does that make sense? Where are we telling ourselves we love these people so we're going to forbear when actually it's we're afraid of what's going to happen? If either we get vulnerable about what's going on inside of us or a response or anything like that. That's the question. Lord, if I'm missing stuff here, where could it just be fear? Fear leading to bitterness. This is often what happens when we... uh, when we're not fighting for fellowship by keeping short accounts, fighting for fellowship by saying, I've got to stand the ball here. This is usually what happens. You get bitter. Do you know, do you know who hates bitterness? The Holy Spirit. And could we just add that bitterness is a choice? Yeah. We don't get there, we choose it. Yeah. Like it's my own life, I found it out, and it was a terrible thing to find out. Yeah. But I chose it. And when I got there, I've been able to speak into men's lives ever since. Wow. 
I'm saying don't choose bitterness. Yeah. yeah. You're on the road. Your tree's getting bigger and bigger. When you get to bitterness, it takes 10 guys with axes a week. And then you got roots for five years. Yeah. And you got to burn the roots out. So don't choose it. Amen. Right. So Ephesians says that your time limit for dealing with your anger at somebody is until the sun goes down. So you want to start your fight after the sun goes down so you get the full 24 hours until the next day. Am I right? Am I right? Come on, people. You'd be nice. And then it's like in the winter is wonderful because you got like 4 o'clock. Boom. Um, okay. And so if you find this is your, your uh, where you might fall off the fence, okay, the lack of gentleness, the bull in the china shop, the uh, Viking invader in southern England. I don't Anybody? Somebody? Nobody? Okay. Winter Pardon? Winter yeah, well, hey, I've never even seen those, but I hear, I hear that that's out there. Um, sorry. What if that's the root? That selfish, a selfishness, a desire to control. I'm just floating this out there, because to get you, give you what I really think costs thirty-five dollars an hour American. So, just kidding. It's one hundred and thirty-five. So, this is what what I'd. Um, like us to do. We've got five minutes. If you're here with somebody, I want to invite you just to start that little conversation. So awkward, you're not going to be able to enjoy the rest of the day. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> try it. My wife, man, this could be a problem. Yeah, well, hey. <laughs> just first, first question on the worksheet, you don't even know the worksheet, is answer for yourself where you think you might fall off the fence more often, and then get them to answer that question for you as well. All right, if you're here with somebody, if you're not ready to go there, you can just say, I think there's some mosamosas left over. Let's just jump downstairs before they're all gone. And you can just deke. But you've only got till the sun goes down. Um, so if you, I want to invite us to have the conversation, that conversation. And then uh, we can go from there. Just one more encouragement. God wants to change people. That's where I'll go. God really wants to change people. And he's really good at it. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're just like, Rob, this is so good because you've just shown me what's wrong with everybody else I know. (laughs) And you can just sit there knowing God wants to change them and he wants to use us. So why don't you have that conversation and then it'll only take a few minutes. The handouts are here. And then go to your next meeting right away.